Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. Spiritual baggage. Strip to equip. Spiritual baggage. What is spiritual baggage? So spiritual baggage is the the things that we carry with us and we grow up with. And a lot of times they're given to us through our family, through our friends, through our community, through the churches we go to. And spiritual baggage is uh, sometimes good, sometimes not. Let's look at... uh, Let's look at an idea for a second. When uh, when I was uh, growing up in Scouts, in Boy Scouts, uh, there was a uh, high adventure camp. <clears throat> high adventure usually meant uh, you were going out in the wilderness, wilderness, not the pretend wilderness with uh, with plumbing at various locations or. Uh, what they call uh, outdoor latrines in certain locations. It's like nothing. It's rock and trees. It's high adventure, they call it. But there was a process. I never got to go to this camp called Philmont, but, uh, but there was a process I'd heard about where when you get there, they would take everything you brought with you and spread it out on the floor, on the ground. Just take it out, put it on a blanket. Just take all of your jazz and and look through it. They would pick out what you were actually going to use and what you needed. Everything else, they would bundle it up, pack it away, and leave it. At you know, either somebody could take it back home, or if that wasn't possible, they would store it. But you weren't taking it with you into the high adventure camp. Several reasons for that. Uh, first of all, uh, that stuff's weighty, very weighty, and backpacks, uh, as anyone who has done any kind of backpacking can tell you, especially in the military, those things get heavy with stuff you need. Uh, so, the stuff that you really don't use, that you think you'll miss... That's the stuff that gets left behind. In a lot of ways, they do that also in the military. And not just U.S. military, most military. What what we like to call boot camp. It's basic training. So when you get there, they put your stuff out. And then you pick, they, they say you can have this, 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 this. And you pick that jazz out. And then everything else goes back home in a box or, or you know, what have you. And there's really important reasons for that. The reason for that is because that stuff you don't use, and again, it's weighty, and if it's weighty, it's hurtful to you. Because, I'll tell you, 25 pounds doesn't sound like a lot. Most military people are used to hauling around 44-pound packs. Easy. I mean, just, you know, like nothing. Some even more than that. I've heard 75 and up upward. But the thing is, here's the thing. As light as 25 pounds sounds, 
Uh, you haul that uphill for about five miles. Yeah, you start to feel it. And believe me, at that point you're thinking, man, I wonder what, what I can throw out of this pack. Spiritual lug spiritual baggage is very much the same way. So here's here's the approach. Take a very good hard look at the things that you've got in your spiritual bag. What is it you have in there? And by that I mean your beliefs your systems, you know, your traditions. And I'm not saying traditions are bad. I'm not saying that some things aren't needful. What I am saying, though, is that anything that you have in that spiritual bag ought to be biblical and have a solid biblical reason to be there. And it should be there to help you grow and help you reach out to other people. It should help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. It should help you grow in your relationship with other people. And it should help you grow into someone who is reaching out to other people to help. There are a lot of things, uh, specifically I'm thinking about denominations and, uh, and different traditions, not even denominations necessarily, because, uh, I mean, you've got several flavors of Christianity out there. Look at the traditions and, and see if they're biblical. Now, it may, may be something you, you say, hey, yeah, well, this is it. You know, and you may get, uh, you may run that tradition to ground and say, hey, uh, yeah, that's biblical. They got a solid biblical base. Now, here's, here's the catch. Every tradition, every denomination can give you a biblical reason for something. And to be honest with you, even cults can use the Bible to give you reasons for stuff. But you but you have to look at it in context in order to be grounded with it. Study to show thyself approved of God is is a verse, right? Rightly divining the word of truth. Dividing the word of truth, yeah. So, when you run these thoughts, these processes to ground, you may discover that there's a tradition that you just want to keep. For example, I mean, Christmas on December 25th. Now, some traditions don't do that, but I'm just saying... Uh, Jesus, uh, there's no proof at all. Biblically, he was born on the 25th of December, ever. But we still celebrate it on the 25th of December. Is there anything wrong with that? No. There's nothing the matter with celebrating the birth of the most fantastic individual that ever hit the planet. <laughs> God himself. So, 
that being the case, though, understand why you have that piece of baggage with you. If you're going to keep that, understand why it's there and the use of it. Because to be very honest with you, Christmas time is a fantastic outreach time for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, people are in a giving situation, so hey, you know. So there are ways to redeem things, but, but know why it's there. Baptism is a huge issue with with many different traditions, different ways of looking at stuff. Understand why your particular flavor of Christianity believes that. The only thing that I think has to be there is we have to look at things in context and to do that to look at the New Testament and the Old Testament in context you have to at least know what a Hebraic perspective is it's a Hebraic book it was written by Jewish people you, that is really important and three things that are when you do your own Bible study that I think will never let you down as far as giving you good information to grow on is the history, the culture, and the language of whatever book you're looking at, whatever passage you're looking at, whoever, whatever author, you know, writer you're looking at. And I'll say it again, history and culture and language super important those things but st stripping to equip stripping and equipping so you strip stuff down you don't need because if you don't find something biblical it don't need to be there in your box it's weighing you down now there may be a reason you need to keep something but you have to severely ask yourself why you're keeping it and you don't know have I have an idea of why it's there the uh, the other thing I think that's important is we have to understand in ourselves that we are emotional beings. We're emotional. God knows that. He made us emotional. God does not expect us to feel wonderful and giddy all the time. It says rejoice always, yes. But I don't know any verse, you know, that, that says, you know, God's going to get you if you're not happy all the time. Because being joyful is different than being happy. <laughs> Agape is love, but it is a love that is different. You know, there's several different words for love in the original language. That's why that's important. You've got eros, of course, which is sensual love, and then you've got phileo, which is brotherly love, and I mean, you can just keep on going, right? And agape, which is God's love, which is self-sacrificial love. 
which is a kind of love that doesn't necessarily key into feelings up front. Bill Bright uh, is a guy that was responsible for Campus Crusade for Christ. And he used to, uh, or that organization, has this little, uh, had, a, had a pamphlet that had a train on it. I thought it was pretty pretty cool little example. The train actually had uh, had the engine, the coal car, and the caboose. And the engine was fact, the coal car was faith, I believe, and then the caboose was feeling. And the caboose was at the end of the train, and it was the feeling. And I thought that was very, very profound. Uh, it's very important because sometimes we just don't feel like Christians. I mean, you don't, I mean, it happens. <laughs> and believe me, preachers, even though they're preachers, they don't wake up feeling like preachers every day. Oh, hey, you know, I feel like a preacher. No, they don't. They don't even feel like acting like preachers. Sometimes they don't feel like acting like Christians. Why? Because feeling goes in and out, up and down, and, and all kinds of... But our culture today is 24-7 working on emotion. How do I feel about something? Well, I, feelings are horribly unpredictable and now people are, are making decisions just based on how they feel on stuff has nothing to do with fact has nothing to do with faith there are times in the Psalms that you can see David feels like God abandoned him And then there are other times that you that you know that he's confirming that God hasn't abandoned him. Why? Because David was very emotional. People are emotional. So don't deny the fact we're emotional. You don't have to feel saved all the time. But you are. The fact is, is we have the fact of the biblical record that God did. And we have the faith, the trust that yes, that's correct. And here's something that's interesting. On that little example that, that they had in Campus Crusades, that little fact, faith, fiction, or, or excuse me, ah. fact, faith, feeling. <laughs> fact, faith, feeling. You can do, you know, the engine was the fact, the coal car was the faith, the caboose was the feeling. You can run a, a train without the caboose, but you can't run it without the fact and the faith, which is the engine and the coal car. You can't. So, When you're looking at and you're doing that self-examination and you're and you're and you're and you're looking at 
And I'm not saying change denominations or change traditions. That's not what I'm trying. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying know why you believe what you believe and understand the shortcomings of where you're at. Believe me, uh, one one thing I like to say, and it's semi-joking, is that I don't believe in organized religion. That's why I'm Southern Baptist. Uh, and that's a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. So, there are things that, that they believe I don't. There are things that they teach I don't. Do I want to change from being this denomination? No, not yet. They may kick me out, but, you know, <laughs> that hadn't happened yet either. So here's the thing. Know why you believe what you believe. And get rid of any, any baggage that you're carrying that's weighing you down that's not biblical. That you can't run to ground in the Bible, in context. That you can't look at the the language and the history and the culture of that particular passage and say, you know, that makes sense. So I want to encourage you. It's an encouraging process to do that. It's not easy. And, and, it, and it won't, you know, sometimes it, it may take a little bit of time but more than more often than not it's a process for me it's taken years to release baggage that i've had but the main thing is stay with your commitment to the living god of abraham isaac and jacob and his son jesus christ his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Minat Seret, which is Jesus the Messiah of Nazareth. And keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your